morning we are continuing through the Gospels and into this series on Jesus stories. And I've shared with you that one of the ways we want to hear about who Jesus is and how he meets us is through personal testimony. Um, and so this morning, Debbie Ham has offered to come up uh, and share with, with us how Jesus has walked with her through some challenging seasons in her life. Thanks, Debbie. Hi. Um, I've wanted to share for a while about how I've seen God working in my life for the past few years. So as many of you know, for about the past six years, I've been involved with Bible Study Fellowship. And um, that first year, we've studied a lot of books in the Old Testament from Joshua through Kings. And then shortly after that time, I had my yearly dermatology appointment. The doctor indicated a mole had changed. He didn't seem too concerned, but he wanted to check it out. And it turned out to be melanoma. Um, hearing that word, cancer, it always caused me great fear. And I was afraid. My grandpa had melanoma. He had passed away from it. And, um, but by God's grace and wisdom um, from my doctors, my moles were being monitored regularly and it had been caught early and it hadn't spread. So it was a lesson for me to learn to trust God's word and especially to the word from Joshua that we had just studied. Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So jump ahead about two years and a su suspicious mammogram. It wasn't the first time, so I didn't give it a second thought. However, the first biopsy indicated that there was a type of cancer in my breast. But this diagnosis was different. Um, there were other suspicious areas the breast care center wanted to check, but I didn't feel fear. I felt God's presence with me, and I was completely at peace. The initial treatment was to just monitor the breast for changes. But then, after more biopsies, a second cancer was found, and a mastectomy was required. Still, I didn't feel fear. I sensed God with me. And the peace of God, which is beyond understanding, stayed with me throughout this time. And these are some verses that I had reflected on often during that time. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. And Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So I would encourage you to dig into God's word, asking the Lord to reveal himself to you through his word as you face difficult times. Thank you. Debbie, I appreciate your courage in sharing with us. I know that's not an easy thing to do on any Sunday, especially about you know, something vulnerable and, and close to us. 
I also wanted to say how much I appreciate your encouragement uh, this morning, but throughout these past years to study and to dig into God's Word, and, and even for shepherding many women through Bible Study Fellowship. That, that's a great ministry and strength to us and to our community. So we're grateful for you. I know that uh, there are many things that we face uh, in the course of our lives that will be difficult. Debbie shared how the word cancer can strike fear into our hearts. It can make us wonder, where can we go? What can we do with news like that? I think Debbie's testimony is an encouragement that we can come with whatever words, with whatever diagnosis, with whatever difficulty, to the person of Jesus who speaks a different word over us. And he offers us his peace. So this morning I wanted to take just a few minutes to come to Jesus collectively together and to his word in Matthew chapter 8. And there we have two stories of people who bring their fears and their difficulties directly to Jesus in order to ask him for healing. Me pray for us as we open to that passage together. Lord, we thank you that we are never alone, as the word from, from Joshua 1 reminds us. And so therefore, you, you exhort us not to be afraid. No matter what comes, we can be courageous because you stand with us, because our lives are in your hands, and because you love us no matter what. Lord, I pray that as we encounter your word today, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts upon your truth, may all of that be pleasing in your sight. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. We're going to be looking at Matthew 8, verses 1 to 13. To give us uh, a little context, it's helpful to remember that in Matthew's gospel, what immediately precedes these two stories we'll see today is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Uh, that sermon uh, ex expands over chapters 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. But what Jesus announces there in the Sermon on the Mount is what life is like in his kingdom, what Jesus calls the kingdom of heaven. And remarkably, Jesus says that in his kingdom, it's the poor in spirit. It's the meek. It's those who are mourning. It's those who are persecuted. Those who are overwhelmed that are the most blessed. In the, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus describes how the kingdom of heaven is a place where outsiders become insiders. And as his teaching goes on in chapter 7, he, he says that anyone who comes to God acknowledging their need, acknowledging the reality of their situation, anyone who asks, who seeks, or who knocks, Jesus assures us that God the Father will open his doors to them and offer his help. And so I, I don't think it's coincidental that the very next thing this gospel records are two consecutive stories of outsiders, unlikely 
petitioners coming directly to Jesus and asking him for help. Two people who everyone else would have written off, but somehow come to believe that the kingdom of heaven is open and available to them as well. Let me read these verses together with you. Matthew 8, 1 and following. So when Jesus came down from the mountainside, right after his Sermon on the Mount, large crowds followed after him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Verse 5. Somehow I'm stuck here. Can you help me move along there? Next, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come? Shall I heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority and my soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and from the west, and they will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. I want us to think about these two petitioners. These two men who come to Jesus. And how it is that they work up the courage to come to him to bring him their immense needs. As we think about that, I also want us to be thinking about our own situations. Where do we go when we face immense difficulties? Where do we go when we are overwhelmed? Who do we go to for healing? By this, this point in Matthew's gospel, by this point in Jesus' ministry, he is accustomed to very large crowds gathering. People turn up to hear what Jesus has to say. They want to hear Jesus teach. But they also ask Jesus for help. And there are many who come to Jesus asking for healing. 
So in some ways, these passages are, are not unique in Matthew's gospel. But what is somewhat different about these two stories is that the people who seek out Jesus would have been true outsiders in almost any crowd they stepped into. We have a leper and a Roman centurion. I want us to, to try to understand and imagine what daily life was like for each of these two persons, but also what it would have required for them even to get to where Jesus was. Sorry, my, my clicker's not working. Can you move us to the next slide? I want to read to you a, a short paragraph from Dale Bruner's commentary on Matthew. And he describes what it would have been like to live with leprosy at the time of Jesus. He says, anyone with leprosy was believed by the people and by the priesthood to be living under a curse. They were thought to be the subjects of God's judgment. And so, as a result, they were commanded to have disheveled hair and clothing. This was one of the, the requirements of the law, so that they could be required in a crowd. They were required to cover their face whenever people were around. And they were required to cry out unclean when walking through a crowd to keep the community from being polluted by getting too close to them. Rabbis developed a practice of keeping six feet of distance from anyone with leprosy. And those with leprosy were considered to be as those among the living dead. The only thing more unclean than a leper was a dead body itself. And so to have leprosy was to be alone, to be isolated, to be without access to help. Right? Imagine what that would do to a person. Think back to the impacts that the pandemic had on each one of us, even in a short period of separation, and social distance, isolation. But then imagine extending that for the entirety of your life. Right? To know that that will never end. You will always be separated, distanced. What the the paragraph we just read tells us is that lepers, not only were they isolated, but it was on them. The, the burden was on them to spend enormous energy making sure that everyone else in the world could avoid them appropriately. So we have to wonder, what is this man doing in verse 2? When it says that he appears in the middle of an enormous crowd. Think of how many times he would have had to shout, unclean, to get the people to move aside. Think of him pulling his robe up over his face to stay covered. Think of all the times he would have had to ignore and try to look away from the disgust in other people's eyes as he approached. What would have motivated him to put up with all of that hassle? Matthew says what draws him into the crowd that day 
is his hope of securing an audience with Jesus. This man hopes that before Jesus, he won't be seen as an outsider. This man exercises courage and faith and initiative. In verses 5 to 13, we are introduced to a second outsider. Someone who was also accustomed to people keeping their distance from him, but for different reasons. We're introduced to a Roman centurion. And according to the, the law of Moses, he too was considered unclean, not because of a disease, but he was unfit to be in relationship with because he was a Gentile. And not just any Gentile, he was a centurion working for the Roman Empire. To be a centurion meant that he had sworn oaths to the lordship of Caesar. He would partake in, in ceremonies that would, would recognize sort of the, the religious or sacred name of Caesar and the empire. Additionally, to be a centurion meant that you were contracted to commit 20 years of your life in service to the Roman Empire. And for those 20 years, you had to delay any plans of being married or starting a family. It was forbidden if you were a centurion. The closest thing that a centurion would have had to a family member or a companion would be their slaves or their servants. And in this case, we learn in verse 6 that this centurion's servant, probably the closest thing he has to a family member, has become paralyzed and is suffering terribly. And so now, too, this centurion is alone in a, in a hostile land right, with no, nowhere to access help. Any Jewish crowd that a centurion would have stepped into right, would have looked upon him probably with a mixture of fear and loathing and suspicion. Again, so we ask, why does he venture into hostile territory? What leads him into Capernaum in verse 5? Unless he too is drawn in by the reputation of Jesus. There are all sorts of reasons any of us have, especially when we are suffering, especially when we are facing difficulty and when we feel overwhelmed. There are all sorts of reasons we have to keep to ourselves. Right? Keep a safe distance from other people, even keep a safe distance from God. We don't want to burden others. We don't want to be seen as vulnerable. We don't want to to unnecessarily complicate things. Very often, suffering has the tendency to isolate us, to separate us, to make us feel like outsiders. But what's striking to me in both of these stories is that these two men risk moving closer to Jesus, moving toward Jesus, so that they could ask him for help so that they could ask him for healing. What 
what's striking to me is that they don't allow their fear to paralyze them. And so I want to just notice three things that are consistent in both of these stories that might help us imagine what healing faith looks like in our own lives. The first thing that is consistent in both stories is that healing faith draws these men toward Jesus. Right? Both of them are taking risks. But with their suffering, with, with their disease, with their need for healing, they go to where Jesus is. They move themselves into a position to hear him and to see him clearly. Like Debbie shared this morning, when she was faced with that diagnosis, she moved herself into a position to hear and receive from Jesus in his word and into fellowship with other believers. In these stories, once these men arrive in Jesus' presence, they have the guts to tell Jesus what their problem is. They acknowledge their pain. They acknowledge their hurt. They acknowledge their situation. But their faith helps them lean into this, the, the instinct that, that Jesus needs to be invited into those most vulnerable places. So my question for us is, do we regularly invite Jesus into the places of our suffering, into the places of our fear? When we have great need, does it draw us away from or toward the person of Jesus? The second thing that I notice about the faith of these two individuals is that both of them acknowledge the lordship of Jesus over their situations. In both stories, the, the men refer to Jesus as Lord, as a sign of respect, a recognition of his authority. But they go further than that. They actually humble themselves before him. In their posture, they, they, they bow to him or they place themselves at his feet. But I think both of them also recognize that healing isn't something they can demand or command from Jesus. Right? It's not something they're there to negotiate about. They go to Jesus asking for healing, but they recognize that it's a gift that God gives. Right? The leper says to Jesus, Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. The centurion says, Jesus, I don't deserve to even have you come under my own roof. I don't have the authority to give you orders. But I understand that you have authority over life itself. Jesus, would you help? Jesus, would you heal me? Jesus, would you be with me in this? I think this is, this is different from the kind of name it, claim it teachings on healing that we encounter sometimes. As New Testament scholar Craig Keener writes in his commentary on this verse, he says, acknowledging that God has a right to grant or to refuse our requests is not a lack of faith, but instead it is the ultimate act of dependence on God's compassion 
healing faith chooses to place our lives before Jesus, place ourselves into God's care. And to trust that whether physical healing is given or not, we are in the presence of Jesus. That we can trust that he is good, that he is with us, that we do not need to be afraid. But as we do that, as we present ourselves to Jesus, as we ask him for help, as we trust in his lordship, these two men also have immense hope in the power of Jesus to make things different. They don't come to Jesus just because he's any old person. Right? They believe that he alone possesses the power of life and healing and cleansing. The leper says, Jesus, I believe you can make me clean. The centurion says, I believe you can heal my servant long distance if needed. You have that kind of power. Right? They've risked coming to Jesus because of their belief and hope in his unique power to change things. And Jesus praises that faith. Right? He, he extends his hand and he touches the leper. Not only does he break power of isolation by touching the leper, but he immediately heals his condition. And then he sends him, he sends him back to the priest and he says, go offer a sacrifice there. One, because the law has commanded it, but two, as a testimony to them, that they might understand the faith that you have and the healing that you have been given. In a similar way, Jesus lifts up the faith of this Gentile, centurion. And he says, and I think it's almost a hope that it would awaken and, and sort of spur new faith in the people of Israel who have forgotten that God is a God of mighty deeds, who does amazing things among his people. And so as we come, we have to remember and hope in power and the healing and the presence of our God. So the question is, where do we go? Where can we go for our own healing? Whether that's physical, whether that's emotional, whether that's relational. Where can we bring our deepest needs? And my encouragement, my exhortation is that we would bring them to the person of Jesus, that we would come to the table of Jesus and believe that we are welcome there, that Jesus desires to meet with us there and to extend his healing to us.